one of my favorite preachers, T.D. Jakes, he uh, said that one time he was talking, he said that his mama has this special wooden bowl that when he was a child, every time he would see her get it out, and he would look, and she'd have this big spoon, and she'd be whipping around like that. He said he knew when he saw that, something good about to happen to T.D. <laughs> so uh, hopefully something good about to happen here today. So um, I had told you a few weeks ago at the beginning of this uh, era and journey that within a few weeks, I would be sharing with you the vision for the church for this next year. One year, one year vision, right? Did I not promise you that? Yes. Well, so I told you back then to gird your loins because this is going to be a pretty wild ride. So here we go. Over this next year, you're going to see a shift and a change in kind of the way that we do things. One of the things is the church, and, and I had asked uh, some of the founding members uh, here at the church on, you know, over the years of why the church had started here and everything, and they said, well, it's mainly because of to show the love of Christ to our community and to others, and to reach out and show love to our neighbors and the people in the community and around the world, right? And uh, I think... Orchardville Church has done a pretty good job of doing that. Um, we fall short sometimes, but uh, I think that as a whole, our church is full of the best people on the planet. And, uh, but we serve the ultimate, ultimate Savior, the one true God, right? So that helps us to be great people. Um, one of the things over this next year that, uh, and, and I've said this before, we don't necessarily need a new program. What we need to do is we need to point to the cross. We need to focus on him, right? But sometimes we do need a new program because it's just the vehicle to get where we want to go, right? So over the next year, and I'll be going over this with the deacons and with the finance team and and the staff and uh, kind of uh, doing some research and our homework on this, but we are gonna become, whenever someone says the word Orchardville Church, and whenever someone says Orchardville Church, they're saying Bear Gregory, or they're saying Marvin Manahan, or Melvin Manahan, or Floyd Connard. We are the church, right? Whenever someone says the word Orchardville Church, I want people to think, that is the most caring and giving church that I have ever seen. Amen. Not just of um, material things like produce and dairy and stuff like that, but of the love that we share, the encouragement that we share. But sometimes um, people don't know how much you care until you show how much you care. And so... I think it's a great thing, especially in this time and, and age where, you know, a lot of people have a lot of tragedies in their lives, and I just think it would be 
be really great if we could be able to reach out to not just each other, but those around us that will never be able to repay the favor. That we do stuff with no ulterior motives and never expecting anything in return. That we do things because it's the right thing to do. And that we reach out to others. It's not just about me. And it's not just about you. It's all of us working together. And there's, there's something that happens to us whenever we reach out to others without expecting anything in return, without any ulterior motives or manipulation. Something happens in us and it releases the Holy Spirit to be able to work in our lives. And all of a sudden, um, it can actually even bring healing upon us to where, because here's the thing, whenever you do something for other people, um, even if it's just an encouraging word, it opens up something within you and it can bring joy to you. It can bring happiness to you. And in turn, that can affect your health. You know, going around with a sad sack look on your face all the time, that just, that's depressing. It's time for us to have some joy in our lives, is it not? So this is the direction that we're going to head, and over the next few months, we'll be introducing different avenues and vehicles as to how we're going to be able to do that. So uh, just be thinking this in your mind of outreach to others. And um, whenever we help others, it's going to help us. Amen. All right. Now we'll get going on with the message. Whenever I was a kid starting out at about seven years old, I did something that a lot of you younger people probably have never heard of. I made, started out making money picking up corn. And uh, I would get, uh, I think the pay was $1.50 for a gunny sack. And uh, a lot of you may not know what a gunny sack is. Uh, you may be- know it better as a burlap bag. But uh, yeah, a tote sack. Well, speaking of that, whenever the gunny sack was filled up, and it was roughly about that tall filled up and about that big around, Um, at seven years old, I couldn't even carry it. So I'd have to split it up in between about three different sacks and I still had a hard time toting it around. And, um, but a buck 50 for a seven year old back then in 1970 something, that was a lot of money. It was. And I would stay out there all day, um, picking up corn. As you can see up here, there is a combine up there and it says gleaner on the side you know in the old days the practice was that whenever farmers this is in the in the bible times whenever farmers would would harvest their crops the corners and the little edges there they would leave and so the people who were poor or the widows they could come and they could eat off of that And so, this here is the story of Ruth. Now, let me give you a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit of background on this before I get into the scripture. 
So Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, um, her husband had died, and then she had two sons, and they married two daughters, two Moabite women. The boys died, so then it was Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. She had, was getting ready to head back to Bethlehem, and uh, she told the two daughter-in-laws to go back to their homeland, to be with their families, and uh, so one of them did, but Ruth said, where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, I'll stay. Where, where, wherever Naomi was going to go, Ruth was going to go too, but she also said something out else is, I will serve your God too. So um, she was already um, had in her mind that, uh, Na- that Naomi was a stand-up woman, and she, whatever God that, that she served, she wanted to serve that same God, and, uh, which was the one true God. This brings us up to Ruth chapter 2. Now, I do have quite a bit of reading to do on here, but I do want to go ahead and read it if you will allow me. If you would, let's pray for us. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word and your message forth in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for your anointing, and I pray, Lord, that we would be able to absorb what you have for us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Ruth chapter 2, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? In other words, he was saying, Who's the hot girl out there (laughs) gleaning the wheat? This is a love story, by the way. I'm no love expert, though. I'm pretty good. (laughs) Whose hot girl is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? See, Boaz is already laying claim to his woman there, isn't he? He's already stacking the deck. He's saying, guys, you might as well just back off because me and Ruth, we're already talking. Okay? I think that's what young people say now is like, are you dating or something? No, we're just talking. 
So Ruth and Boaz are talking. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did, do not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge." Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. See, Ruth's staying so humble, isn't she? That's so attractive, isn't it? Whenever someone is humble. Um, now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up, my grandson's wanting to preach, and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Let, let, also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her, leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Man, he's really stacking the deck, isn't he? He's even telling them to just leave a little bit extra there. But he's wanting her to work for it too, right? Because otherwise it's going to be real evident that like he's after her. So, but you know, I think God's ordaining this, right? Yeah. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, how many of you, whenever you have ever read this passage, and I know many of you have already read this over and over and over again in your years, have ever wondered what an ephah was? Yeah. I'm, I'm odd that way. I find these, these little quirky words that I don't know what they mean, and I look it up. And so an ephah is actually... The, about the equivalent of a bushel. So she gleaned about a bushel of barley. Um, it actually it computes, when I Googled it, to 4.99 gallons, so almost a five-gallon bucket of barley. I also looked up on a box of barley what the serving size was on a box of barley. And it said about a quarter of cup. So a quarter of cup of dry barley, you know, whenever you're boiling it in beef stock or, or lamb's neck or whatever they ate back then. <laughs> you know, if you're poor, you do what you got to do, right? These are hard times, right? So a quarter cup of barley, whenever it's cooked in a stock, it probably swells up to maybe a half a cup or so. Well, for someone like me, that ain't going to do much for you. But, you know, in hard times... It was probably a ration for a day, right? I was just thinking of uh, like noodles, like I cook a lot of noodles. And um, for a normal person, you know, a portion of noodles is probably about like that. But whenever I eat a portion of noodles, I got a plate like that, and then I get seconds. Because I figure if I'm going to tear it up, I might as well tear it up, right? <laughs> anyway, quarter cup of barley. There's 16 cups in a gallon. That means there's 64 servings in a gallon. An ephah equals five gallons or a one bushel. So an ephah of barley 
computes out to 320 servings of barley. She just needed two-thirds of a gallon more, and she would have a year's supply of barley for someone in hard times. So in one day, she almost got a year's supply. So you can imagine how big a deal that was. You know, and if the harvest went on for four, five, six days, why she would have gleaned enough for both her and Naomi and, and had extra. She could have seconds, you know. So an ephah of barley, that was a big deal. All right. We'll go on to the first thing here. I want to thank Nate Burgess for helping me with this. He actually gathered this up. I asked him if he could find me some wheat. And uh, I can't imagine trying to get all those little grains out of there like that. But yeah, there it is. Uh, that hurt. My hands are very delicate. So, um, I can't imagine Ruth. Like, I can't even pick that dude up. It's... Now, that was not satisfying. <laughs> uh, okay. I was going to get underneath my top plate. So, to make that palatable, if this was barley, and this is wheat, but it's the closest thing. I, not too many farmers around here have barley, but um, they would normally like smash it or roll it or something, and then it boils better. But for this intensive purposes, she could have made flour or something out of it. And so, oh, now, now that, that was better much more palatable and I'm sure it would digest better but man for me to get very much I'd really have to I think I'd burn more calories than I would take in doing that so it was a lot of a lot of work right and I'm sure they had better grinding meals even back then than, than now probably some type of meal where they have like oxen or something turned to where it turns around or, or Samson or something, you know. And uh, so anyway, yeah. So that's uh, very satisfying. On to the next thing here. Now this is ground up wheat flour. Now you could actually make bread with that. Or I guess you could make wheat noodles or a porridge or something. I don't I don't even know what porridge is, but sounds good. <laughs> I just heard it in the story. So, yeah, I can deal with that, right? But it took a lot of work from her gleaning in the fields to this, to this, to get to that point, right? The next step here, now that is pungent. That's some yeast and sugar and hot water. And so if I'm going to make bread, that's the next step to this. Now let me explain something. Going from her gleaning in the field to what she wants to end up with in the end, the bread, she's got to go through a lot of processes, doesn't she? 
Now that's much better than, than the original where I started out with, right? That's sourdough from Aldi's. Ah, I wish I'd had another bottle of water, all this wheat and bread. And... So now let's, let's just say this, because we're not, we don't, we, we've got, most of us have plenty of food, right? And let me just say this, if you don't have plenty of food, you come and see me and we're going to hook you up because in this day and age, nobody needs to go hungry, right? Nobody needs to go hungry. So, and I don't mean to make light of that because I know there are lots of people that do go hungry and, uh. If, if you know somebody, or if you or yourself, or relatives, or friends, or someone that you don't even know, you let me know. Uh, so, for our intensive purposes here, our gleaning comes in different forms, right? And this, this is one of the things that I hear a lot of people say is, I just can't find happiness, or I just can't, I just don't have any joy in my life, I don't have any happiness. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the God of hope that will fill us with joy, right? But so many Christians go through life and they're like, I know this and I am a Christian, but I just can't get it. I just am not happy. How many people have ever felt that way or know people like that? Yes. I mean, if we're all honest, we all can go through that. But joy, we know it comes from the Lord, but there's things that we can do to get to that point as well. Because God, he, although he's giving us favor and he's stacking the deck for us, just like Ruth you know, Boaz stacked the deck for her, but he still expected her to do some stuff, right? So going from this to this, going from how do I find joy, and let's call this joy and happiness, okay? And, you know, sometimes you just got to grind it out, don't you? I mean, sometimes you get a big windfall, but sometimes life is just not what you had expected, and day to day, you just got to grind it out. And then eventually, you're going to get this. And sometimes, things really don't add up and look right, do they? Sometimes they even stink. But it's a part of the process to get there. That there is rising. But one of the steps whenever you're making bread is to punch it down and let it rise up again. You ever felt like you just got punched in the stomach and it's just taken your joy right away from you? Well, that's not the time to throw in the towel, is it? That's the time to wait and see what's happening because that thing's going to rise up again and you're going to end up being able to end up with your end result. This here is not an attractive loaf of bread is what this is. This here is fake bread. 
I didn't really even think much about it, but you can buy fake bread. I went to, what's the store that all the women go to that I, yes, I despise that place. <laughs> but yet I found myself shopping there. And I asked one of the attendants there, one of the workers, I said, uh, and they're very good workers there, and uh, I said, do you have fake bread? And she said, oh yeah, we, uh, we have really the top of the line, um, <laughs> fake bread, it's, it's of high quality. And so I said, uh, where might a fellow find a loaf of fake bread? <laughs> And she said, well, it's right next to the fake fruit. <laughs> so uh, she said, let me show you. So I went over there, and sure enough, voila, and it was half off. But do you know that the fake bread was more expensive than the real bread? <laughs> and I guarantee you that don't taste good, and I'm not going to try it. Do you know that you can spot a fake a mile away. We want what's real right here. Let's become the church. When people say Orchardville Church, they don't just see me or they don't just see Dana or they don't see Melva. When they see Orchardville Church, they see Jesus. We don't want anything fake, and we don't want to portray anything fake. We want the real deal. A lot of processes all the way through this. And so, George, how do you achieve goal, your goal of joy and happiness? How do you stay happy? How do you stay upbeat through rough times? And I'll tell you my secret. One grain at a time. I'm just gleaning, and it's the small things in life added up is what brings me joy and happiness. I mean, I'll be, I'd be real open to a big windfall, <laughs> but usually it's one grain at a time. And that's what you see happen with Ruth, and that's what you see happen at Boaz is just using real wisdom in this on his approach to courting Ruth. So all these young boys are going like, uh, I got to throw me out some grain for these young ladies. And <laughs> yeah, that probably won't work, guys. This was several thousand years, you know, a few thousand years ago. So anyway, let's be gleaners, all right? Point to your neighbor and say, be a gleaner. And you know, the thing it is, is I... Um, I've heard lots of different preachers over my years. And do you know that no matter what, even if I didn't agree with them or not, I could usually glean one little nugget or something off of any of them that I've heard preach. Even ones that they may not have been completely theologically on the same page as me, they still had some of the biblical truths that I learned something from. So. You can always be a gleaner no matter what. Even if things are going great for you, glean wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So let's be a gleaning church. 
Let's be a church that shows love for others. And this, all this process is going to have this help us with a, a, just a freeing and allowing the Holy Spirit to move and work within our congregation. And uh, you're going to see great things happening for Christ, not because we did it, but because what God is going to do through each and every one of you over this next year. 2021, I've said it before, is going to be a breakthrough year, not just for the church, but for a lot of individuals and for families. 2021 is going to be a major breakthrough. And you're like, oh, George, are you one of those kind of preachers? No, I'm just trying to encourage you. It's going to be good. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. All right. If the musicians would go ahead and come. Next week, Rick is going to bring the message, but in two weeks, I'm going to follow up on the love story of Ruth and Boaz. And I'll just warn you ahead of time, it's probably rated PG. Not PG-13, just PG. Yeah, pretty good. If you all would, please stand. I want us to have joy and happiness in our lives because it's hard to show the love of Christ to others whenever we're not, whenever we don't have this overwhelming joy within us. You know, I want it to be filled up and overflowing in my life so that I can spill over onto others. This morning, if you're having any kind of issues in your life, whether it be, you know, sadness. Uh, we've had people that have had uh, maybe even a, a death in the family. Um, if you've had sadness, if you've had uh, just, man, George, I just feel horrible. Come up forward, bring it to the altar. And we're going to pray for you. Um, if you need healing within your body today, Let's pray for you and just come expecting, come expecting to receive what God has for you today.